1: You are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause
2: like Paul Welcome to... The, hospital. Hospital. the Boston Celtics Podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, J. King. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you... Middle of the week, uh, we know this is before the Celtics take on the Cavs tonight, so who knows what happens in that game, it might change everything we say in this podcast, but we're go- hopefully gonna hopefully going to be uh, talking a little bit more universally uh, about what's going on in the world of the Celtics, but the biggest news uh, that is happening right now is the Celtics have brought back ISO Joe, Joe Johnson, signly playing tonight against the Cleveland Cavaliers, Jay... Did you see this one coming? No. Absolutely (laughs) not. The dude
3: hasn't played in the NBA since 2017-18. Like, that was Kyrie's first year with the Celtics. That was when Kyrie and Gordon Hayward got hurt, and Jason Tatum was a rookie, and the Celtics went to the Eastern Conference Finals with Terry Rozier as their point guard. That was... So long ago that ISO Joe's last game in the NBA, last regular season game, he played against the Kings and they had Vince Carter and Zach Randall. Whew. Maybe
2: we can bring them back.
3: <laughs> like like <laughs> so no, no, I did not see the I ISO Joe Johnson teaming back up with Al Horford in the year two thousand twenty two. It's it's a wild, wild, wild time in the NBA right now. And it's it's really a shame that a lot of people are sick but but it has given us at least joe johnson and cj miles on the Celtics
2: cj miles is another one yeah like there's a reason that they are kind of bringing these guys uh out of retirement and we're just seeing like so many people getting called up tremont waters got signed by the raptors the other day like it's because so many players in the NBA are now in health and safety protocols. It's kind of uh, ridiculous. They're canceling a bunch of games left and right. Um, the NBA, obviously, uh, they are a business. They're going to try and continue to uh, just move on. They I created all these rules, so allowing the Celtics and other teams to go out and you know pick up extra guys and keep on going uh, – just like I don't, I guess I'm not really surprised that they just don't want to cancel games or slow down the season. But uh, like, is is signing people like Joe Johnson or other guys who've most recently been in the Big Three is that really like the best solution here? Where that is <laughs> Darius Miles? <laughs> he hosts a podcast Darius. with Ben Richardson. He, he he used he used
3: to, he used to play used for the Celtics, the Celtics, Celtics too, too, just like Joe Johnson, sort of. Did, did he even play any regular season games? I don't know. They, they might have cut him before the season. But it's just, yeah. I, I mean, they made the decision that they're going to not stop pretty much no matter what. And, like, I don't know how much percent of the league has COVID, but it is it is not a small percentage right now. There are a lot of players in health and safety protocols the Celtics have seven, including their two-way players. They also have Robert Williams, who was out last game for personal reasons. They are just in kind of dire straits regarding like the, the depth deep down in their roster. But, they, I mean, they haven't used C.J. Miles yet. They haven't used
2: Justin Jackson.
3: Are we going <laughs> to actually get to yes. see Joe Johnson out? Are we going to actually get to see him play in another NBA game?
2: I I think so. If you you only have, like, eight or nine guys on the roster, you're going to need someone to just come in, even if it's just for, like, six minutes here or there. uh, I think there's a a good chance we see both of them in this uh, Cleveland Cavaliers game. And it's it's an interesting situation because I think last year uh, the Celtics were at a pretty serious... Disadvantage just in terms of games missed due to COVID. I think Tatum was clearly affected by it. Um, and there were a number of teams that, uh, felt like they had a, a lot worse kind of COVID related, uh, games missed. But right now it's like each, it feels like every team in the league is just like, all right, pick your eight guys who are, are good to go and we'll go up against our eight guys who are good to go. And I don't know what it means for the basketball. Like I, uh, wasn't able to watch the the Celtics 76ers game, but I tuned in while I was uh, studying or I, like looked up the box score and I saw that Freedom was starting. I just go, oh, well then there's just absolutely nothing we can like really take from this game. Like, not well, only start, but he
3: shadowed Joel Embiid's minutes,
2: which means Ennis Freedom for the fourth
3: time in his career played more than 40 minutes in an NBA basketball game.
2: Is, was Bruno really that bad of an option? Like, they just absolutely could not put Bruno Fernando on him? I feel
3: like if you put Bruno Fernando or any not experienced center against <laughs> oh, man. Joel Embiid, it's just going to be foul city. You know, even Robert Williams last year, remember his first start against Embiid, and he picked up three fouls in, like, 30 seconds? I feel like that's that's what you risk if you put somebody else on, on Joel Embiid, like a Bruno Fernando type that maybe you don't necessarily have full trust in, and Cantor, for all his flaws defensively, and he has plenty. He's not terrible in the post; like he's not a bad post defender. He's not the worst Joel Embiid option
2: you can run out there. He is large. I'll give him um, that. He is a until,
3: large fellow. Until Joel Embiid starts hitting all mid range, and then all bets are off, and. He, uh, he did not have too much trouble with Mr. Freedom's defense.
2: And so not I'm not too surprised. Like I said, I didn't see the game. What, what did I miss? Like, what, did, what did any Celtics fans or what did you learn from the Celtics playing the 76ers? I saw that Freedom was starting. I saw that the Celtics kind of collapsed late, uh, giving up, like, I think it was like an 18-6 to run to close the game. They still had Tatum, Brown, and Smart. Dennis, like they should have a pretty formidable team. What, what What are the main takeaways from Tuesday, other than it's hard to stop Joel Embiid?
3: Uh, it's hard to stop Joel Embiid, and it's harder when Al Horford is out. It is it Is definitely true. Horford's one of the few guys who can sort of control him. Um, Seth Curry's really good. That is another takeaway. Not not, not he can he can make
2: too. shots. Did he make a bunch of shots? Because that sounds oh, like yeah, something yeah.
3: Seth Curry would do. Oh yeah, Seth Curry was not cold and then peyton pritchard another good game for him he is starting to find himself again i feel like i feel like p-rab
2: is back um p-rab just didn't sound like a good that was, uh, i didn't like that p-rabbit i know that people called him it but it just didn't make make it okay um but he did he said a good games uh he did some good things against the Warriors, good things against the Knicks. I'm just trying to figure out, like, where this team is since we last talked. We, like, those three games have happened. I thought the Celtics put up a pretty impressive effort against the Warriors, um, especially after a first quarter, and they were kind of killed by um, mostly the Ennis minutes. And uh, But I thought it was, like, a pretty solid game against the Warriors. Decent performance against the Knicks. Um, but here we are, like solid performances I guess in those two games I guess they uh, whatever happened in the in the COVID fest on Tuesday or Monday night I'm just trying to figure out where we evaluate this team because right now you look at the standings they're still in I think like ninth place one game under 500 and so the league is all, all the, the entire league is kind of going through just the kind of a craziness right now it's going to be hard to evaluate what's going on with everything but at what point does the do the Celtics start like stringing together basketball, like, wins. I mean, we, know, we knew it was going to be a pretty tough December just based on the schedule, um, but, like, what is this team and what what can we, like, take away from what they've been able to do over the last week, which is, I guess, go one and two.
3: Yeah, I think the, the December part, the tough December part, is part of the reason why it's so frustrating for Celtics fans to see a collapse like the other night against Philadelphia because it's been a tough month. It was always going to be a tough month. You looked at the schedule. It was like, wow, a lot of road games. Wow. A lot of playoff competition. And then I'll add on top of that, sprinkle on top of that like a bunch of health and safety protocols and Jalen being out for a while and like you have a mixture for a very difficult month. That said, like they're up 97-90 with four minutes left, and just kind of fall apart from there. The offense, it was like turnover, turnover, stalled possession. It was just, it was bad.
2: Was and it the same, just kind of like the offense didn't know what to do in down the stretch, and it was like Tatum takes a tough shot, then maybe Jalen Brown takes a tough shot? Yes, yeah, sort
3: of. Um, or this time, they sprinkled in some turnovers, too. Oh,
2: they, no, they do that job from time to time. That's one of their, their go-to moves in the clutch. They,
3: they didn't play um, Dennis Schroeder down the stretch, which was interesting. Good. Because he's normally been in the closing line. I, mean, I don't know whether it was a um, just because he was coming back, and I don't know whether he, his minutes were restricted or, or whether it was that, or they just went away from him. Uh, But they played Peyton Pritchard some down the stretch. They played Romeo Langford some down the stretch. They played Ennis Cantor all the way down the stretch. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know what to take from all these weird games where both teams have so many guys out, and it's just kind of so much attrition all the way around the league. Um, But, like, for two years now, the Celtics have been 500 or right around 500. And I do think, you know, once, once December ends and the schedule lightens up a little bit, they'll start to string together more wins, especially if they can get healthy, if they can get Grant Williams, Al Horford, Josh Richardson back, like those, those guys are a big deal. And if if there is a good thing to have so many guys out for as long as they have been, Peyton Pritchard has seemingly turned his season around, Um or at least, you know, it, it, there's a chance he's turned his season around. He's strung together two of his best games all season. So that could be a big deal for them. And I think that could factor into whether they actually do trade Dennis Schroeder before the deadline, which I think is going to be maybe the biggest storyline around the Celtics entering the
2: deadline. It's definitely the biggest question. And it is gets back to where I wanted the Celtics to be at the start of the season. I remember I said that the, Ideally, we would evolve past a need for Dennis. Peyton Pritchard would be filling those kind of backup point guard minutes, and you could trade Dennis uh, at the I trade deadline. Ideally,
3: they would just bench him, right? Like,
2: no, I, I think I was advocating for a, it so a, delicately. I, I think uh, I, I was advocating for a trade for Dennis. But either way, I wanted Peyton Pritchard to get those minutes. Um, you mentioned them going away from. Dennis a little bit that certainly seemed to be the case I don't think he didn't play against the um, Warriors but they didn't close against the uh, Knicks and it's interesting that he's kind of he clearly felt like he had a or I guess I guess he didn't play against the Knicks either no wonder I didn't see him out there Um, but he's doesn't feel like he's been in the closing lineup really in December and that's something where he was like he was pretty consistently getting close like, 35 minutes a game to start the year. And it feels like his role is kind of uh, – I mean, he's still getting a lot. He, still, he played 25 minutes last night. But it doesn't feel like he's the go-to guy down the stretch. It's clearly more difficult to assess this when so many guys are out. Um, but I think it, it doesn't – he doesn't make sense as a closing guy just because I don't think he's uh, good enough on defense. And if Peyton Pritchard can kind of provide you an offensive spark – Obviously, Dennis is better at attacking the basket. Dennis is better at creating his own offense. But Pritchard, just with when he's being aggressive and kind of looking to score, I think he's pretty talented in terms of attacking the basket. I think he has pretty good playmaking. And then he's just – is he the best shooter on the team? Uh, At least from, like, kind of long distance, I think he's the best shooter. Uh, But I think that just giving that spacing to guys like Tatum I think will be super beneficial. And – I hope they can trade Dennis. I don't know what teams really want Dennis. The thing is, like, they were able to get Dennis for the mid-level exception because no other team really wanted him. I don't know that for sure. I'm sure other teams were uh, dying to sign him for that same money. But he didn't really get a big contract, so I don't really know where, if he has a lot of value on the trade market right now.
3: Yeah. See, I I think he's going to have some serious value because he's a guy making just Six million dollars who can make a difference somewhere. Like you look at, let's say the Nuggets, right? And I, I don't know what Jamal Murray's deal is. I don't know when he'll be back, when he'll be healthy, but they could use another playmaker. They could use another guy to go get buckets. Um, and you can do it without trading a lot of salary. So that, that's why I think Schroeder will be in vogue. Um, because he can score and he can help you and he's tough and he's feisty. and on top of that it's not like you've got to unload 20 25 million dollars worth of salary you can just do
2: it for like just a guy making hardly anything and so I know what teams have... are needed like point guard right now I guess like I mean, all teams I mean, could kind of use some scoring boost off the bench but like Dennis is a kind of a ball ball hog kind of a record scratch guy where I don't know. There's not, like, a clear team where it's, like, I think Dennis is the obvious person to add to their roster to put them, like, over the top into the playoffs. Just like, looking at the standings right now, there's no team that immediately stands out to me. Like, they're an obvious Dennis uh, placement.
3: But what team is not a Dennis spot?
2: (laughs) Ooh, you flipped it on me there.
3: (laughs) I look at most teams – and it's like okay, maybe he's not a perfect fit, um, but like like the Hawks,
2: like have him behind Trey Young, like that, that could make a difference. If, what about the Nuggets? They certainly need help scoring in basketball. the basketball.
3: I just said the Nuggets.
2: Oh, I wasn't paying attention. Nuggets seem like a good one. I'm going to treat it like would it was you, my would idea. You, would you listen to me? God damn. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've been studying a lot.
3: I know, I know it was final season for you. Congratulations on that being done. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully you passed all your required tests. And, uh, well, no, I, I just think there are a lot of teams that could use another ball handler, another guy who can really get in the paint, a guy who can really score. Um, like, would the Mavericks want him? Could he play next to Luca? I know Jalen Brunson is one of their guys, but, like, they need some more oomph. They they need some more guys who can go and get get offense, create offense. Um,
2: will, Let me will. guess though. If so, if we, if the Celtics are looking to trade Dennis, I'm going to ask you, what do you think they should be targeting in return? You're going to say a guy with some size who can shoot, maybe play backup power forward, uh, someone who is tough and um, maybe has some some NBA experience. Did I, I, did feel did like I check all like, the
3: boxes? I feel like Brad like Stevens has kind of tipped his hand to what he wants.
2: Right? Joe like Johnson? Joe Johnson, but
3: eight years ago? No, but I'm saying the Celtics, they, they lost mostly big men. It was all fours and fives. And they went out and got two retired shooters and wings. You know? Like... I, I'm pretty sure Brad is going to be in the market for a veteran wing. That is what he's going to want. He's going to want someone who can stand there and shoot and put the ball in the bucket and help make things easier for Tatum and Brown. And that's what they should be looking for. Because if if they do trade Schroeder, I, I don't know if it's even right to trade Schroeder. Um, he, I think if they're going to reach their ceiling this year, like he's a part of that. Um, they need to figure things out because they haven't scored very well when he shared the court with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and I think they've they've had some obvious fit issues with with those guys all on the court. But like, he still raises their ceiling. Um, Dennis
2: does? Are you talking about the same Dennis Schroeder? Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, is, he is not he if. He he, he is not on the court if you're, like, the last five minutes of a game you need to win. Like, I would rather have Grant on the court than him. I'd rather go double bigs than play Dennis just because I don't, like, he doesn't help you on defense. He basically, like, is such a negative on defense because teams can just attack him. I think it ruins all your defensive versatility if Dennis is in your final five. So So you are 100% on team trade Schroeder. Oh, yeah. You've kind of been there all along. I've been there all along. He he got me off team trade Dennis for about two weeks when he had that, like, couple 30 spots. But I just don't think he's the best fit for what this team is. And, like, the, the Celtics' identity is going to be hard-nosed defense and uh, just basically, I think, scraping by on whatever Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can give you offensively. I know they're, like... Dennis might be adding, like, he might give you some kind of that extra scoring, but then I think you just automatically take a hit with your defensive identity, and I just don't think that's, like, worth giving up. I think there we saw Grant Williams kind of emerge as a, as a closer. I think he just makes more sense in terms of guy who can knock down threes in the corner uh, and guy who can switch on most things and, and just be a kind of larger physical presence than Dennis is. Dennis, he is – can do many things on the basketball court. He's insanely fast, but it's not like he's physically intimidating anyone on uh, any team.
3: That is true.
2: (laughs) All that is true. (laughs) Uh, But
3: if you trade Dennis Schroeder, who just has a few more months left on this contract, and will probably be wanting a big contract, what are you going to get in return? Um, I don't think it would be a lot, but I think maybe like, a late first maybe some sort of like, like playable veteran. Uh, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but and I, I, I think, I do think that the, the question of whether they trade shooter is going to be a significant one. Um, and I, I do think there's an argument to move him. And I do think that Peyton Pritchard is part of that because They haven't been able to play those two guys together. They've refused to play those two guys together. Um, I think they played 38 minutes together all season. Almost all of those were right at the beginning, if I'm not mistaken. And so you've got this young guy, Peyton Pritchard, who will probably be with the team for a while unless he's traded. And you've got this other guy, Dennis Schroeder, who because of his contract situation, the Celtics probably won't be able to keep beyond this season. If it was just for this year, yeah, you keep Schroeder, you want more talent, but they're 500. And I don't see a realistic path to them making a really deep playoff run. And so what's the point of Schroeder?
2: I've been, I've been saying that all along, my friend. What is the point <laughs> of Schroeder? What's the point of Schroeder? The thing that's uh, interesting is that, like, the East is pretty bunched up. But there is some separation that's being created right now where it seems like there's the top five teams. Um, shockingly, the Cleveland Cavaliers have remained in that. And so it's the Nets, Bulls, Cavs, Heat, Bucks. We'll see what happens with the Bulls because uh, I guess a lot of their team has come back from COVID protocols, but they had to like cancel a bunch of games, but it seems like there's the top five. And then there's the Sixers just pulled ahead to that six spot. It's like, you're right. What is what is the point of Dennis? I think there's going to be a huge like the Celtics are pretty much going to be fighting with those the rest of those teams, which are Sixers, Wizards, I guess Hornets and Celtics. I have faith that if they can pull it together, they could be the sixth best team in the Eastern Conference. But is like what is? Uh, maybe they can like I would, I think they would could pull off a first round series win, but I just don't see this Boston Celtics team. Uh, going to an Eastern Conference Finals uh, or winning in round two. Um, Maybe if they ended up playing the Sixers, just because we all know uh, Joel Embiid can never win a round two series, no matter how good he is. But, and it's not that surprising. Like if you, I think if you asked uh, a lot of people before the season where this Celtics team would be in the East, I think most people would have said kind of in that middle range, um, I think some people picked him to be maybe third or fourth. Probably I did with my uh, stupid optimism, but I certainly didn't see the Cavs or Bulls being this good. Um, so it's well, just like... Too, on top
3: of the, the surprise teams that have been really good, The Celtics, we, we still haven't seen what the Celtics can be. Because Jalen Brown has missed just about half the season. He comes back every single big man they have goes into health and safety protocols at the same time. And every team's dealing with it. The Celtics haven't necessarily dealt with it as well as other teams, but they were coming. They had a new coach. who was a rookie coach and still learning. And they had their training camp was disrupted by COVID to so two of their best players. So I I think it's just been a kind of a tough journey for this team. So we don't know what they can be. I'm not sure we're ever going to find out what they can be because it's a month and a half until the trade deadline. And will they, will they get everyone healthy at any point? Will they have an extended run where they get to see like, okay, what can we be if we bring Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson off the bench? and we 're starting smart and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Al Horford and Robert Williams like they wanted to like
2: they haven 't really seen that vision very often, so I mean and that 's definitely what, like something you you cling to because they haven 't been able to get that kind of the full vision. We talked a lot about the year about how their depth would kind of be a strong suit for them, but they haven 't really been able to put it together for all the reasons you mentioned, just because of injuries and COVID and things like that. At some point though, that they either have to like win games despite injuries. Cause that's what good basketball teams do, or they just have to be healthy for a long period of time. Like it was against the Warriors. Uh, they didn't have Dennis, but it, they did have like a low, relatively most of their rotation. I thought like they looked pretty good with Pritchard. I thought Richardson did some good things off the bench. Thought they used Horford. Um, no, I guess Horford was out that game as well. No, Horford and Grant were out the, both this game. I'm so confused. Sorry. I've been in, uh, studying for stuff, but is it even reasonable to expect them to get their like full roster for any period of games? Like we've seen the Celtics over the past two and a half years. When have they ever been like fully healthy? And when is any NBA team like fully healthy for a like a long two month stretch?
3: Well, I think wow. e- even if they're not fully healthy, we've been able to see in plain view some of their very obvious weaknesses. They rank 23rd in three point percentage right now. They are shooting 33.7% from behind the arc. That's worse than the Pelicans who can't really shoot at all. It's worse than the Rockets who don't even want to make shots. <laughs> They'd rather lose. It's worse than a lot of teams. Um, and and that's, that's kind of the issue they haven't been able to, to overcome to me. Now I know the defense has kind of wavered a little bit recently. Well, that's uh, what happens
2: when you play freedom for 40 minutes a game.
3: That that will be pretty destructive to your <laughs> defensive rating. Uh, but But to me, like the shooting and the mixture of shooters – is just a real issue. And that's why moving Schroeder could actually... Like, I don't even know if they trade Schroeder if they would... And even if they didn't get anyone back, if they would get any worse. Like, if you just give Pritchard and Aaron Nismith, and Romeo Langford, and Josh Richardson those minutes, like, would they be significantly worse? And if if Brad Stevens decides the answer is no, then trade Dennis. Trade (laughs) him. Trade him for... Whatever you can get. Have a have an auction. Um, but if if the answer is actually they they, they think they're much better with Dennis Schroeder getting into the paint and creating plays and and doing that off the bench, which he's only played ten games off the bench this whole season. He's supposed to be their sixth man and because of injuries he's been in the starting lineup. So he hasn't filled the role that they envisioned for him very often. Um, But, but do you think they would be, I mean, obviously I I don't even know why I'm asking you because I know you're going to say they would not be much worse, if any worse, if they traded Dennis Schroeder.
2: I just don't see how it makes a huge negative impact. Like, it's not like he's been this savior on offense for when I guess Tatum goes to the bench. It's not like they're bench scoring. Has been fantastic. He hasn't done like been that six man guy who comes in, uh, plays like he's played a lot more minutes than I thought he has just because of injuries. But I just like his he's not been uh, amazing, and so I just don't think it was going to be that effective. Even if you if you will grant the fact that he is, I guess is a more productive offensive player than Peyton Pritchard is right now, which I'm not. Willing to go fully there yet? Uh, because I still believe in PP, but I just think it's like marginal uh, w- what the like benefit Dennis gives you over Pritchard. And if how many times have the Celtics just let a player walk and not got anything for him? Why not trade Dennis? Because I just don't think he's like the key to oh the Celtics are going to go on a deep run because Dennis Schroeder was their like awesome six man. Like I like. If the Celtics go on a, a deep run in the playoffs, it's because basically their top five guys were healthy, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown willed them there. Uh, and not because, And they played great defense, which Dennis Schroeder is not helping you out on. And so I just don't think he's like the impact player. If you can trade him for a guy that's helpful, I'm all for it. If you just get a pick for him, I'm all for it. I just don't know exactly... Uh, I don't think he's a key cog to whatever the Celtics are doing, whatever they're doing. <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, but I don't know if Dennis is key to it. Um, let's go to the, uh, people waiting in, uh, in the waiting room. We're in the live athletic room app go to Richard D Richard. Thanks for waiting. And thanks for joining us here on anything is potable.
4: Hey guys, how we doing Richard, how are you doing down there? in South Carolina. Man, I'm yeah. doing great, doing great. I wanted to um remember the first time I taught you guys, I was I was I was kinda bitching about the um and kind of giving you an insight
3: on You would never bitch, Richard.
4: Yeah. <laughs> about <laughs> how um about how um when Aaron was younger he was super athletic and never shot the ball and he he would just like run over kids and we finally said, Look, you gotta learn how to shoot the ball. And so on his NBA draft status, I was telling you Whoever the idiot's pulling out the card saying, you know, his lowest score was athleticism. Well, you saw the dunk the other night, right? Yeah, that
3: was, that was impressive. He and
4: that's all I'm saying. Like, I, th- that has nothing to do with production. That's nothing, but, but it's there. That dude is a super incredible athlete. And, um, you know, who, who was, you know, now I will be the first to say, you know, be careful what you ask for, right? He's done everything right. He waited his turn. He's played good in preseason. And he finally gets a start, and he shits the bed. And <laughs> and now, now his plus-minus was good, but he missed five shots, you know, the thing that everyone was counting on. So, you know, it is what it is. I, think, I do think he came back the next game and had a really nice little nice game against the Sixers. Tom McGinnis, the voice of Sixers, a really good friend of mine, has texted me during the game. He's like, man, your dude, Neesmith, can really play. Now, if you look at a box score, it, yeah, it was okay box score. He, he played nice. Um, but anyway, at the end of the day, it's, my whole point of this rambling, Jay, and law student Sam is that <laughs> is that, you know, he's still a kid. And so he gets in that game. And, you know, I remember the first time he started at AAU. Like, it, it happens, right? Everyone's got these checklist moments. So, yes, they make a lot of money. They're professional athletes. But they're still – there's still things they haven't done before, and it's human nature to, you know, fight for something, you get it. And, and, and so, you know, that's why we call them veterans, right? That's why you, you, you sign a Joe Johnson to come out there and show someone like Aaron and, and, uh, Langford and all that. How do you, how do you score all three levels? How do you do certain things? How do you handle this situation? So anyway, that's what I got. The other thing is to add your conversation. I'd say, I'd say trade Schroeder. I mean, come on. At the end of the day, at the end of, the, I don't dislike him as a player. I just think this, this funky thing that he's doing with that dude and, and with, with Dennis and, and Tatum and Brown, man, it ain't working. It's just not working. Like who's going to play defense?
3: Yeah. Yeah. They are, to me, it's more the offensive fit with those guys. They're all bucket getters. And nobody's really a table setter, and and Tatum does some of that sometimes, but but all of those guys are more so scorers, and and when they're together, the offense has been really really bad. The defense has actually been pretty
2: good.
0: Um,
3: <laughs> Goes against but, everything I've
2: been saying, but uh, but the
3: offense you- has been bad, um, and I just, I think part of that is learning how to play together, but I think also like with those guys, Dennis Schroeder is a tough fit because he's not a catch and shoot guy. He's not a guy who's going to space the corner. He's not a guy who's going to make it easier for Tatum and Brown to get to the basket. He's a guy who needs the ball in his hands.
0: This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Um,
3: so to the Neesmith stuff, yeah, that was, uh, he, he did have a good opportunity against the Knicks. Um, he's just got to make shots. And I I think it obviously seems to be a confidence thing and something where in short minutes, it's really difficult to, to make shots and be ready to make shots and know if you don't make shots, you might come out of the game. Even when he's starting, he probably feels that same way. So I, I trust that Neesmith will make shots at some point. Um, and when it comes, it's probably just going to come, you know, but, but it hasn't come yet. And until it gets to that point, I think it's going to be tough for him to earn minutes because even right now with so many guys out, so many guys in health and safety protocols, like the Celtics still have a lot of perimeter guys. Um, they still have Smart, Tatum, Brown. They've got Dennis Schroeder. Pritchard, who's played great lately. Romeo Lankford, who they've trusted with minutes. So, there are a lot of guys he's competing against for, for a chance. Um, but he does have, he does have some, some really impressive moments. That, that dunk, man, he was shot out of a cannon. He just, he just raced by everyone. Um, so, what you got for us, Packard?
2: I thought Nisbet was pretty good against the Warriors too. I mean, it, Mostly saying that because he knocked down some shots and uh, like I think no, he was like, definitely
3: good versus the Warriors.
2: Um, but I think it's like another reason to trade Dennis is like, why not give some minutes? I don't think like obviously Neesmith's is going to inherit all thirty minutes that Dennis is getting, but it basically allows you to play Peyton Pritchard more and it allows you probably to play Neesmith and maybe robio more. And I think it's just like it. You have more value long-term if you're developing these young guys rather than giving a lot of time to uh, a guy on a one-year deal who's probably looking to get paid and not coming back to the Celtics next year. I think we've just seen enough that, like, I don't think the Celtics get demonstrably worse if they do trade Dennis. I mean, if, like, if they trade Dennis and the Celtics just immediately become, like, a a sub-500 basketball team, I'll put my hand up and say I was wrong, and he was the only thing keeping them afloat. But, uh, they're
3: already a sub-500 team.
2: Whoa, well, then Dennis doesn't isn't even <laughs> helping them at all. Let's go to uh, Jonathan R. right now. Jonathan, thanks for joining us on Potable. Hey, fellas. Um, I just want to say, I mean, last
1: time Richard was on, he was talking about the Logators, and I just want to say two things. I got a plus and a minus for you. You're My minus, I want to say, I believe Ennis Cantor could maybe, maybe start the low gators and that's maybe where he belongs (laughs) okay but I want to be positive
3: here's my uh, I love all the logo we must be the podcast that discusses the the low gators
1: gators. (laughs) yeah Uh, but here's my plus I just want as we're going into the holidays here uh, what is something you believe that coach uh, Ime is doing well so far because a lot of criticism here and there I just want to hear from your from your takes like What do you think that he's doing well? I think he's got buy-in.
3: I think players, as hard as he's been on guys at times, including publicly, um, it seems like they like him. It seems like they're on board with what he's doing. Um, It seems like they've committed to the defensive part of it, most games at least. So I think there's buy-in there. Um, And I think the kind of hard nature that he presents a lot of the time. Like we don't see, except he told us <laughs> when he, when he texts Jason Tatum and just says, thanks for how much work you put in, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, I think it's, it's kind of been a tough mix and I, I figured it would be a tough mix to figure out just because the lack of shooting, shooting makes everything so much easier to figure out for, for coaches. Like if, if you have tons of shooting, it's, it's so much simpler, but they don't. And so they just kind of got to try to squeeze out buckets. And, and I think he's done a pretty good job. I mean, obviously there are some things he's, he's done wrong. Um, There are some situations he probably would have handled differently, but he's a rookie coach and not only that, he's a rookie coach coming in for replacing a coach who was really good. Like he was very really successful in his tenure
2: as a Celtics yeah. coach,
3: and so so there were big shoes to fill, and even though last year was only five hundred, there were big expectations for this group too, and and he's dealt with, kind of a lot. So, I, I think he's done an okay job. Um, I think the offense he's got to figure out how to how to get them scoring points. I think, you know, he he talked about he's talked about the pace a lot. Um they haven't played very fast. They haven't. Um, They haven't utilized their athleticism probably enough. And part of that is they're playing two big lineups sometimes in the modern NBA. Um, But I just think like there are ways that they could become a better transition team and thus a better offensive team, even if their half-court offense doesn't really get much better.
2: Yeah. I think the thing that I've liked most from him is – I think I, I, I also make fun of him for this, but, I, like, him being a hardo, I do think it's, like, effective just in terms of I like the fact that they had a really terrible end to that West Coast trip, and he gave them, just tried to shame them with uh, uh, the longest video review session ever, just talking about lack of effort. And it seems like they responded pretty well with their best, um, I think, win of the season against Milwaukee. Uh, it seems like he's pretty fired up for uh, just his team. And, um, like, I love that he got a tech at the end of the first half of that Warriors game after Marcus Smart got called for that foul. Uh, it was pretty deflating, and probably the Warriors didn't need <laughs> another point. And, you know, the Warriors ended up winning by four, so maybe those four points were pretty important. But the Celtics came out with, like, a new... Uh, energy and uh, just kind of focus there in the second half of that Warriors game. Um, obviously, I'm going to give Ime credit for that because I love uh, just crediting coaches' technical fouls for you know, like rejuvenating the team. But I do think him being like pretty hard on them, uh, it feels like they've responded well, and I don't know, maybe I would be thinking differently if I was able to watch the Philadelphia collapse, but... There hasn't been, like, it's not, like, been lack of effort for this team or lack lack of fight. I know fans get pretty frustrated with, like, times in which the Celtics fall down big and then come back just to lose. Like, and it feels like they do that a lot. Uh, but I don't think there's ever, there's been, a, like, a long period where the team has just not been uh, working hard on the defensive end. I think maybe you can say that uh, at the end of the West Coast trip, but then, Ime uh, really tried to embarrass some of that film session. And so uh, I think the problem is just like what you said, the shooting. And I think he's done his best to try and kind of figure those things out. The interesting thing is like they are a sub 500 team right now. But like, I think the sign of a good coach is if your team improves as the season goes on. And we've clearly seen the Celtics start off pretty terribly then stepped up their defense and now have fallen back. And now we're dealing with kind of injuries and everything. But season doesn't really start till Christmas. And it's like, will he be able to make the adjustments moving forward? I feel like he's made some adjustments. Like, I think he's like, I see a shift away from Dennis, like using Grant more. I like if that's the kind of the show of a good coach is someone who's able to kind of take in all the information that's happened in, I guess the first third of the season and still make the adjustments to put his team in the best way to play. So maybe the Celtics are not a, a sub 500 basketball team for the rest of the way. It, it'll be, I think it's interesting to see what he does, like as is, uh, his first year as a coach. Like I think that's something Brad was very good at. And Brad coached teams, especially the kind of the pluckier underdog teams, where was, like they would always finish the year pretty strong. And it feels like Brad usually like had figured out like what his team did best and kind of put them in a position to win. It's going to be uh, interesting to see if Ime is able to do that and what adjustments he makes moving forward. Assuming that like players come back and he has like kind of all the options to work with. Yeah, yeah.
3: I think I think my biggest issue with what he's done so far is probably how he's handled the the young like Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Nesmith. And I think they've made it harder because they haven't. Always performed well. Um, and Brad made it harder because he built a team with Dennis Schroeder come off the bench um, as a small guard that kind of clashed with Pritchard and made made things difficult for Pritchard to get minutes. Um, got Josh Richardson, kind of blocked, blocked some minutes from Neesmith. But like that, those guys to me, after what they did last season, deserved more leeway and they didn't have any at the beginning of the season and that was that's kind of been probably my biggest issue especially for a team that needs more shooting um like the shooters are there they're just not playing and when they do play they're not confident because they're not playing most of the time
2: and it's kind of like a reciprocal thing where it's like he didn't give them enough leeway and then they didn't have enough confidence and like didn't do such good things with their minutes so then he wasn't like well, I don't want to play those guys. They're not giving me anything. And so it kind of gets worse. So I agree with you. But also it's like, if you're a first year head coach, are you going to go with the guys who are like established NBA players, or are you going to go with the guys who are um, like a little bit less uh, proven? I think it kind of makes sense that he relied on them earlier. And I do, I think it's a better adjustment now. It's very small, but we've seen Pritchard kind of like get more of a chance recently. Um, and maybe we'll see that with Neesmith and Romeo, but um, I don't know. The Celtics have a, a pretty big matchup tonight against the, the Cleveland Cavaliers who have one of the better defenses uh, in the league. It's going to be interesting to see what they do and try to score points. I hope Joe Johnson plays. I hope we get some C.J. Miles. Um, it's just fun. It's just it's wild. Um, I do have to give a shout-out to Joe Johnson. Uh, Joe Johnson is the best person, most talented person I've ever played pickup basketball with. Uh, one year at summer league hanging out with, uh, of course my main man, Nick Friedman. And he got to, he was like training the, the Pargo twins. Um, and so we went off to like some random high school gym in Las Vegas. Uh, and I was just there to kind of like hang out. Joe Johnson all of a sudden rolls in and like the Pargo stopped doing drills and uh, they just want to run pickup. And I ended up being the 10th guy on the team. I ended up being on Joe Johnson's team. And we ran Nick Freeman and the Pargos out of the gym. It was fantastic. I w- it was one of the most enjoyable times I've ever had playing basketball. So I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Iso
3: Joe. Iso Joe. That, that's great. I, I know you love telling that story. So I'm glad Brad Stevens gave you another reason to do it. He is 40 years old. <laughs> it's wild. Big he three is, is 40, MVP. 40, 40, he has not played in the NBA since 2018. It is a week away a week and a half away from 2022 it has been a long time for my man joe johnson it has what been and that was when they moved him away
2: it was uh, one of rick patino's finest moves um, uh, in honor of joe johnson we are bringing back the potable six-pack and jay this was your idea what are what, what are the players we're picking what is the the pool of a uh, of guys, we're picking for this uh, potable six pack. Just guys Ooh, who the Celtics. We're just picking,
3: yeah, random, random names who we hope that the Celtics pick
2: up. Do they have to have because played for the Celtics, or is it just like random anyone who's oh, ever no, played just anyone from NBA history. Uh, all right, and also this is the first time we're doing this, so I don't know how it's going to work. But if you have any ideas, raise your hand. You can hop in for the potable six pack. Um, I have my number one pick in mind, but Jay, Go you, you got the number one pick. Oh, it's obvious. The dancing bear, Gershon Sele. <laughs> the guy's a <of> joy. Uh, <laughs> that and, uh, well, what, what do you mean it's obvious? You said you wanted one guy back on the team you want to see playing Celtics basketball. It's Yabu. I mean, hitting bow and arrow, bow and arrow dabs after making threes. uh Just a a wonderful personality. The problem is, is that there's a lot of guys who are playing overseas right now that could probably, you know, be more helpful to NBA teams than someone like 40-year-old Joe Johnson. But because of this whole global pandemic thing and there's no travel, uh, guys like Yabu are not going to get that option. Um, But he was the obvious number one.
3: Yabu Yabu. was averaging 12 and 5 and shooting 53% from the field. 38.6% thirty eight point six percent from the three point arc and eighty seven percent from the free throw line. Salute to Yabu on a legitimate team, Real Madrid, where I believe he plays with Vincent Poirier, which is just fantastic. Um so that, that was that was a worthy number one pick. I I think Kevin Garnett has to be
2: the next <laughs> pick. Yeah I mean I, a little, I, little more obvious than Yabu maybe.
3: <laughs> I think <laughs> He has been retired. Is it less time than, than Joe Johnson? When did, when did, I guess, no, it's not, not less time, but he's like, he looks like he's still in good shape. I know he could do a better job on Joel Embiid and the 76ers to this day than Ennis Freedom. So I think I, and even if he didn't, just having KG in the building to, to guide Tatum and Jalen for 10 days, just, just a 10 day contract be the hardship exception could make a difference
2: kg got, not a it. not a bad first pick um I'll, I'll give you that um, <laughs> makes me feel a little silly that i went with yabu number one but um let's see what, what got, jonathan got. r has uh for, i didn't have
3: kg on my list but while we were talking i was just like you know, <laughs> what, i gotta i gotta throw him in there Katino mobley would be my next whoo that's a good one 'Cause he's he's one of those random guys who just continues to play basketball. I think he's been in the big three. Sort of like Joe Johnson where he just never gave up the game even though he has been out of the NBA for a long time. He has like this he looks very old now. Kinda looks like Uncle Drewish. But he's, oh, he's got the white hair but he's still got it. Yeah. So I think it would be it would be fun to see Katino Mobley. And plus Katino Mobley, Joe Johnson and and C.J. Miles would just be
1: just be quite a crew.
2: Uh, let's go to Jonathan R. He gets the fourth pick in the oh, potable wow, six wow. pack.
1: It's it's I I gotta say it's a really tough pick. Celebrity it's, shot. I was I was hoping to maybe pull off you know the, we we got the Joe Johnson like drafted and traded. Maybe we do like you know get John uh, Chauncey to quit uh, coaching and come <laughs> over and play like that early. You know what I'm saying? I think yep. Gerald, Gerald Green is just working as a development coach. He's only 35. You know, I'm sure he could. You know, we've seen him, you know, explode unexpectedly in other 10 years. Like, let's let's see what he's got in the tank. All the
2: right. bounce All is right. real with Gerald. I think that's an excellent pick. He he, he could probably actually work. still play. Like
3: most of the guys I put on my list, just would should not be anywhere near the NBA. Which is kind of how I feel about like Joe Johnson and CJ Miles. I don't know how much they have left, but Joe Johnson, like, it's been years, years, years. He is 40 years old. C.J. Miles, like, he's just been out of the league. I'm not even sure he was – I know he was on the G League at night, but for, like, a day or two before the Celtics signed him. Like, these are just truly wild times. Gerald – Gerald is almost too good. Like, Gerald <laughs> – Evan Cutter is another one in kind of the Gerald category, where he, he could probably – give some minutes to the Celtics as well.
2: I, th- I still think that um, Joe Johnson is going to have a better shot than any of those guys though. I think if you're just looking for pure shooting, Joe Johnson uh, is one of the better options. Uh, for my take. Is Joe Johnson going to be out there
3: like if he does get in the game, is he going to be out like really trying to get buckets, like just post up
2: guys, just, just go one-on-one. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I hope they clear game out game. for him. Tatum goes to the bench and it's just like, all right, our bench scoring is going to be ISO Joe. You either space the floor or you rebound, um, but let's let Cook, Iso Joe Cook. Just let just him cook. Just let, it's let, not let like Iso they can Iso run Joe. plays for him. It's not like they're going to be like doing some elaborate offenses. Just like let Iso Joe be Iso Joe. Let Iso Joe Cook. My next I'm, I'm pick, speaking of a guy you should let cook, famously uh, an Eastern Conference Player of the Week. Jordan Crawford.
3: That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Oh, that's a good pick. I, I'm I'm sad I didn't because you know he was like obsessed with basketball.
2: I'm True Hooper. Sure was True by, Hooper. Like, like, no, like, not necessarily right winning. Right? right.
3: Like he wasn't he wasn't obsessed with like doing all the like drills. I don't think. But as far as like playing basketball, that guy loved it. Like he's probably still in a gym somewhere playing like eight hours of pickup per day would be my guess. So that, that is a good, good pick. Um, That, I
2: I mean, I'm, I'm. Do you have one or should we go to Scott B to see what he's got? Let's go to Scott B to finish out. All right, Scott, you got the final six pick in the potable six pack.
1: Hey guys, how we doing? Good. Uh, Jordan Crawford's a great pick, the triple double machine. But with my pick, I'd have to go with the guy who, claimed to be an offensive player while playing for Doc Rivers, which is a bold claim, and that's Vaughn Wafer.
3: Oh, wow. wow. Vaughn Wafer. Didn't he miss a dunk and celebrate it at one point?
1: Yeah, and then he hit Jermaine O'Neal and knocked that out of bounds. That, I'll never exactly forget. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. That was incredible. Oh, Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah, that, that was one of the most disastrous missed dunks of all time. I'm gonna actually look it up while we're still
2: podcasting. I love the Von Wafer pick. It's a great pick and it reminds me of someone honorable mention, Ricky Davis. I mean, why are we not getting Ricky Davis out here hooping? Uh I think that would be fantastic stuff. Um other people on my list, honorable mentions, uh the two da- two hand dunking machine, Brandon Bass. Um I also have Vitaly Potopico on my team. Um He's probably like fifty. I don't know how old, but uh, with a name like Vitaly Patopinco, uh I'm never gonna forget that. And then I my probably middle, the
3: most random people I could get. <laughs> I had Omri Caspi.
2: <laughs> Omri Caspi could hoop. Omri Caspi. Um. Mil Palacio. Mil Palacio. Wasn't
3: he a coach for a team? Sure. Why not? He was really so. I just pulled up the vomit. He was really posing, like looking at the cameras, <laughs> posing, and then turned turn back around and just ran straight into Jermaine O'Neal and knocked the ball out of his hands for a double dribble. Just incredible. I, I in, think it, it's it, overtime, no. Less. It was in overtime. <laughs> in overtime, no less. Of a two-point game. I think it was one of those games, like at the end of the year when it didn't really matter but what a moment i mean oh, that's was just a majestic miss dunk he he was really just just out there just stunned. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else did i have on my list i had jj hickson don't ask me why Ooh. he just came, came to mind as as a random Hooper.
2: rajah bell rajah bell was uh was a was a player on those those sun teams Yeah, Yeah. and he fits the mold of guys
3: that Brad has been looking for, like guys with size who can shoot a little bit. Um, I I think Rajah's worth a call. Damon Stoudemire looks like he's in shape, too. He might be ready.
2: Yeah, I I didn't realize that Damon Stoudemire and Ime were, like, best friends since – or, like, close friends since uh, early childhood or, like, at least played AAU together. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That the Himmelsbach story on the profile of Ime was a uh, was pretty good. I know you, I know you didn't get any thanks for shouting it out. Um, but um, I'll I'll do it uh, and see if what Adam says. So he, I know he's uh, was getting very liberal throwing out the thanks for that article. Did, did yeah, that was, that was a really good piece by my guy Himmelsbach. Um, it's true. Um, and he, the only other guy I have on my list is a real wild card because uh, he doesn't even play basketball. But I, w- I was thinking Willie Mopena might be worth a call. I want to see what he's doing these days. <laughs> he's a big man. <laughs> he's a giant dude. Um, man, he could sock a dinger. Man, he could not hit a curveball. But, you know, I think, I think it would be interesting to see what Willie Mopena is up to. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't think we can go anywhere else from here. Uh, yeah, I mean, if Willie Mopaine is potable, then anything is potable.
2: Well done. Well oh. done.